What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome in to another Baseball America podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer. Believe it or not, we are in the final days of June. We are already at about the midway point of the minor league season. One or two days away, but still more or less, uh, we're midway through. A lot has happened already. A lot of prospects have really raised their stocks. Some other guys have fallen back a little bit. And a lot of guys have emerged. To break it all down with me, I'm joined by my friend and colleague, Jeff Ponce. Jeff, I have to say, I can't believe we're in the last uh, week and a half of June already. Yeah, I mean, we're we're at the point where uh, some first half champions have been crowded in some of these leagues. Remember, we're looking at like Double A does that. Um, you know, look at the, the the different halves of the season. There are teams making the playoffs right now. It's kind of remarkable to to think about that, but that uh, that is something that's happening, and we're getting a bigger sample size and. You know, I'd said it to Josh yesterday on the Hot Sheet podcast, but I feel like this is my favorite time of year. Um, we have a more, you know, sizable sample to sort of look at, analyze, you know, guys that maybe slumped for the first month and a half, dealt with some environment, weather conditions in places like, you know, the Northeast or the Midwest League, et cetera. Even the Northwest League, we've started to see some of that stuff, you know, come to fruition everyone kind of has good weather now weather isn't as much of a factor we can trust the numbers a little bit more we can conceptualize i think a little bit better the southern league ball some of these different things that we have to battle with as evaluators and the scouts that we're talking to and front office personnel so um i love this time of year we have so much stuff going on college world series minor league baseball major league stuff is starting to heat up we're gonna have trades soon the draft it's just this is prime baseball uh, time, and and I love it. So the deeper we're getting into the minor league season, the happier I am until we hit about August, and then it's like, oh, it's it's almost over. Like, we got to figure this out, you know? Yeah, August definitely is a little bit of the dog days as well. But but you're right. It's a good point you make about how 
things have really started to even out and smooth out in the minor leagues, as you talked about. No more freezing Midwest League temperatures where you just throw out the first four to six weeks of performance in the Midwest League with guys are struggling. And I think, too, the guys have now had time to adjust. I think so often we forget, especially when we're talking about low A, these are a lot of teenagers playing under the lights for the first time, being away from the controlled environments of the complex league for the first time. I, I always say, low A, especially the first month of the season, I try to give guys a, a pretty big grace period. If they perform well, give them credit. If they struggle, just let it be. It's such a massive life change for these guys at the lower levels, especially that you really don't want to read too much in the early season struggles. But now that we're you know two and a half months into the season, these guys have had the time to make those adjustments, to find their routine, to, to become kind of more comfortable in their own shoes in a way. And now we're starting to see, okay, here's what the real skills are. Here's what they need to work on. And, and really, who are some of the guys that maybe we were light on coming into the year, or even their own organizations were light on, that are now sustaining their production over the more than, you know, oh, they had a hot two weeks. Well, there's some guys now who are doing it for two and a half months. It's like, okay, the tools have changed. So we are getting clarity on, on a lot of players and what their real abilities are. With that, Jeff, before we dive into individual players, one of the things that we have talked about extensively over the last two years, I've written about it, we've talked about it on podcasts, is the quality of play in the minor leagues coming out of the pandemic, the combination of really these guys not playing in official games for 18 months combined with minor league reorganization kind of forcing a recalibration of okay what does it mean to play at this level and what skills are necessary the quality of play in the minor leagues was really 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 bad the last two years you and i both between the two of us have seen every level of the full season minors this year coast to coast i want to ask you first as we talk about these players it's important to keep context how would you describe the quality of play in the minors this year? Is it better than what we saw in the last two years? Has it stabilized a little bit? What, what have you seen this year? Yeah, I, you know, I think in terms of um, double A, it it has stabilized a little bit. Um, but just in talking to like front office officials, I've had a few p different people actually say this to me that there seems to be where there, there was a sizable gap the last few years, particularly between double a and triple a there seems to be an even larger gap now between high a and double a than there had been in past years and i think that might be some of the cycles of like 2020 and the talent that came in and you know part partially i think some of it is the lower minors are getting younger it seems like particularly at the the low a level we're seeing more players skip the complex we're seeing younger players that are signing from you know different places they're assigned directly uh, to full season ball. We've seen guys like Nelson Rado. We've seen guys like, you know, Ethan Salas. And I think what that's created is we have a very stark difference between the lower and, and upper minors right now. And AAA to me is just sort of what it is and has been for the last five to like 10 years, which is it's very much like a waiting room for the major leagues. And that includes prospects or a lot of these guys that are like, 40-man roster guys or someone that you pick up off of waivers on a minor league contract that has major league experience. And so you see a lot of that. It's very much like a, a, a function of roster management where AA seems it's, it's more stocked with teams of prospects, guys, they're going to be there a little bit longer. The quality of the player, we'll say long-term, might even be a little bit better from A to Z on a AA roster 
versus a triple a roster and then you know when you get to the a ball levels you are seeing i think a higher percentage of players that likely won't matriculate beyond double a triple a and most a good a better chunk than when you see double a or triple a will never see major league service time so you know i think that kind of stabilizes it a little bit but for me i think double a is sort of back it was back a little bit last year triple a looks like triple a to me um so i think the upper minors have been fine but the the lower minors i think especially pre-draft are very young right now um yeah so take, take that with what what you will yeah, you know, being out here in Southern California, the Cal League is also what I'm seeing the most. And it's it's remarkable how young a lot of the players are, especially as we've seen some call-ups since the start of ACL play. I mean, there are guys who are high school-aged players playing in the California League right now. You look at Ethan Salas, you look at Jose De Paula. Nelson Rod has been there since opening day. But, you know, there, there's so many guys that aren't even big names that are 18, 19 years old, you know, guys who maybe would have just finished their senior year of high school that are in the California League. And the physicality is is notably lacking in the league right now because there's just so much youth. I think for me, when I look at the minor leagues overall, it's sort of interesting. What I would say is the overall quality of talent from a number of prospects perspective, guys who project to have major league futures, that is down this year compared to recent years. Uh, we've talked about this a lot as we're continuing to you know, add guys to the top 100. It's becoming very, very, very difficult to find players who are top 100 prospect worthy in most years in terms of the future they project to have. There's definitely a shortage in terms of the depth of prospects in the minor leagues right now. A lot of evaluators have talked about, a lot of front office officials have talked about it as well. And again, that's cyclical. You know, we've seen a lot of guys get promoted earlier, pushing the minors quicker, and, and that's part of it. Um, we're kind of waiting on this year's draft, which is going to be a very, very, very strong draft to help, you know, provide a little bit of an uptick in talent in the minors. So I would say that across the minor leagues right now, the overall talent level is down from the perspective of how many guys project to be impact major leaguers. There are fewer of them right now than there have been in previous years. That said, I think the quality of play in terms of just cleaner baseball is better than it was the last two years. The last two years at times were very, very, very hard to watch and painful to watch. And you were seeing things in full season professional baseball that should not happen and, and really were not happening before. I think back to you know 2021, I watched a game where two teams combined for 35 strikeouts. The California League has been in existence for 80-plus years. No two teams in that league had ever struck out that many times until 2021. League record 35 strikeouts in one game. And the next night, the same two teams combined for 31 strikeouts. You're seeing things you just would never see in full-season professional baseball teams striking out that many times in a game. You know, the following year, I think back to I saw a full-season professional team make eight errors in a game. Eight. And it could have been worse. The official score was being very, very generous that night. It very realistically could have been 12 errors. Seeing a full season professional team make eight errors in the game, and really it was 12, was shocking. On the opposite coast, I saw a team hit eight batters in a game the same year. Different league, different coast. Again, I mean, the things we're talking about, 35 strikeouts in a game, 31 strikeouts in a game, eight errors in a game, eight hit batters in a game. 
these were the types of things that were happening the last two years that frankly were just not up to the level of what full season professional baseball is. It was really, really kind of embarrassing to see and, and just spoke to how bad things were in the low minors, especially routine defensive plays were not getting made. Guys could not throw strikes. Guys could not hit the ball when they did get strikes. It was it was the lowest caliber of play in the minors that I, I think we have seen probably in, in the modern minor league era. This year, we're not seeing that. We're not seeing teams make eight errors in a game. We're not seeing teams hit eight matters in a game. We're not seeing 35 strikeouts in a game. We're not seeing these just incredibly poor performances that is just indicative of a horrendous quality and caliber of play. So I think from that perspective, the caliber of play in the minor leagues has increased in, in that we're not seeing just these these awful, awful, awful levels of, of play that, again, really were kind of a, a black mark on what it meant to be a full-season professional baseball team like we saw the last two years. Yeah, no, totally agree with that. Um, I think like the the – just the quality of like actual execution in a given game has been better. Yeah, it's it's been a little bit of a relief because it was it was really really hard to watch last year's and, and it made it difficult to evaluate guys because you saw guys hitting three twenty, but a lot of that was routine ground balls. You know, plays weren't getting made and, and minor league official scorers, which who are often you know volunteers who are actively rooting for the home team, are giving them hits. It, it was really really tough to to get a real gauge on guys because again it, it was just really 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 bad with that jeff there have been some really really impressive players in the minor leagues this year we talk about the depth of talent might not be there but the top level has been super super impressive we've seen a number of guys be promoted to the majors already ellie de la cruz being among them who so far for you has been the most impressive prospect that you have seen this season uh, the best player that I've seen thus far this season is uh, Jackson Holiday. Unfortunately, LED La Cruz did not run through my area, and I didn't have him in spring training. Uh, so, unfortunately, I didn't get an opportunity to see him. Uh, of course, I've watched some games, uh, you know, in the minors and in the majors, like on my television this year, but a little bit different. So, the best player I've seen is Jackson Holiday. Um, Holiday's climbed up the rankings. Great bats to ball skills. You know, he's a faster runner than I had expected or he had been billed as probably some plus plus run times um you know excellent just pitch recognition zone awareness doesn't swing at junk and there's more pop there than he expects uh with the ability to stick in the infield i don't know if it's shortstop long term third base second base somewhere like that um but absolutely you watch the batting practice and you see the body and you see how young he looks and how projectable he seems to be uh he's a really exciting player and it's one of the reasons that you know he's a top three to five prospect universally. Yeah, certainly impressive. I, I'm going to cheat a little bit here. The two best prospects I've seen this year are two guys I saw in the majors, Yuri Perez with the Marlins and Bobby Miller with the Dodgers. I want to start with Yuri. This is what it looks like. When you talk about a, a future ace, it's been remarkable just how good he's been, the stuff he's shown, mm -hmm. how explosive that fastball is, how quickly it gets on guys, the slider getting swings and misses below the zone, and, and his changeup too. Mm -hmm. You know, it's pretty firm at 90-92. Change-ups that hard normally don't move as much as his. Normally, you have to back off a little bit to get more movement. He's able to get kind of ridiculous movement at that velocity with a change-up. 
I mean, you talk about this is what, you know, we talk so much about the minor leagues. Oh, projecting out to three plus or plus plus pitches. This is what that arsenal looks like. Three pitches that get swings and misses and make you say, wow. I mean, the body, the delivery for how tall he is, how just clean and composed and compact his delivery is. It's pretty remarkable. Um, this is a, a truly, truly special pitcher. And people talk about all the time, who are the potential number one starters out there? This is a potential number one starter. And he's showing that so far early in his major league debut. Uh, he's a really, really special pitcher. And then Bobby Miller is kind of number two for me. Again, guys for the majors, I'm cheating a little bit. I think with Bobby Miller, what's been really encouraging is he's always had enormous stuff. Five plus to plus plus pitches. That has been there for years. From a pure Arsenal perspective, you could argue he was unmatched in the minor leagues, a guy having that many plus to plus plus pitches. And the thing with Bobby Miller is, you know, he had this reputation as a wild man, but you look at it, his control was actually pretty solid last year. People talked about him versus Gavin Stone, and people had this idea in their head of Gavin Stone being, you know, a lot more consistent and, and you know, with his command, but Bobby Miller had the better walk rate and Bobby Miller at times when he was really, really dialing it in, his control was easily average and potentially a little bit more. The biggest thing with Bobby Miller that would kind of get him in trouble is sequencing. When you have that many weapons, figure out which one to use in the right situation. He sometimes would make the wrong choice and working with him and his, his catchers and kind of figuring out what to throw when was a big thing for him with, in terms of Dodgers player development. And also he would unravel a little bit, you know, when things would get a little hairy in terms of defense makes an error behind him, umpire squeezes him on a, on a few pitches, a couple runners get on base. He didn't always do the best job of maintaining his composure and he would unravel a little bit. And I think what's been really, really impressive for me to see at the major leagues is how he has really managed to stay composed in, in tough situations. I think back to his, debut outing that was really really telling for me you know first inning facing the braves a really good offense in atlanta gets two quick outs in the first inning then gives it back-to-back hits game tying run defense makes an error behind him that was a situation where in the past maybe he would let that spiral a little bit made pitches get out of it limit the damage second inning gives up a leadoff single again so sometimes in the past there'd be a situation things would start to unravel a little bit got three quick outs to get out of it third inning leadoff walk Guy stole second again, you know, runner on second, no outs. We all know when you walk the leadoff batter, bad things happen. Again, made pitches to get out of it unscathed. And then in the fourth inning, again, you know, gave up a one out double, threw a wild pitch, runner gets the third. And that's where, like, okay, you know, again, this is kind of the classic recipe of where things start to fall apart. Then he, you know, got Marcel Azuno strike out and, and a ground out to end the inning to get out of it unscathed. You know, seeing him face situations in his major league debut against a really good offense on the road every time out those were things that you know in the past one or two of them could really really spiral on him and he got out of every single one which was really impressive and with that how he adjusted his game plan on the fly in terms of what he was throwing you know how he was attacking hitters he and will smith were really in sync that game and i talked to him about it i still have to write the story uh but both he and dodgers officials have talked about that's what a big step in his development process the ability to kind of adjust his game plan on the fly and, and really just adapt to what's happening in front of him. And when you talk about a guy with that stuff and now that he's taken that step in terms of game planning, execution, you know, being able to change it up, he has a chance to be really, really special. You know, we talked about he has number two starter potential 
maybe the number one, but there was a sense he might end up a three or four because of some of the shortcomings. Now it's like, okay, yeah, now he can be a true number one or two. Yeah, absolutely, man. There's uh, no way to dispute it. They both those guys look excellent. Um, I actually saw Yuri in spring training too, on a, in a backfield game. So, not really an official one, but uh, I agree there. And you know, I've seen Bobby Miller before, and uh, you know, I had I certainly had my doubts at times in terms of he, he was going to be able to go out and like execute in a pitch by pitch basis deep into games, and you know, uh, hold his composure. And so far, he has. He's shown the ability to sequence and it shouldn't be a shock that, you know, with Dodgers coaching and, and, you know, tutelage, he could sort of take that step. Now it's just a, a matter of seeing if it's, you know, Stone or Sheehan or who the next guy is to kind of fill in the blanks that they've needed thus far in that rotation. You know, it's interesting with the Dodgers, we talk about their pitch and development. And I think one of the things that's been notable is, you know, you talk about the Guardians, especially what they've done, where they take guys who have command, who have pitch ability, and help them throw harder. The Mariners have done the same thing. That's typically the, the more successful path. Find the guys who throw strikes to both sides of the plate, have three pitches, and just get them a little stronger, work on a few things mechanically, help them throw a little bit harder. That, that's a lot easier, helping a guy get two to three miles an hour on a fastball than it is to try and teach him command, poise, multiple pitches, and feel. Mm-hmm. What the Dodgers have done is they've done kind of the opposite of the guards. They've taken a lot of guys with really big stuff and helped them really, really, really improve their command and their control. You look at Kyle Hart. You look at Nick Mastrini. Bobby Miller falls under this. Emmett Sheehan, by the way, he had below average control coming into the year, and now he's a perfectly average strike thrower. They've taken guys with really good fastballs. You know, They've taken velocity first guys and helped them become pitchers, which is kind of goes against the grain, and I would argue is the harder thing to do but they've done it pretty successfully with a lot of guys now. And I think it's worth highlighting and noting because again, that that's a lot harder to do than, than the way the guardians have done it, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think so. I think it's been uh, an impressive showing from the doctors. No, no way to dispute that. Shocker, right? Also, I will say, if we want to talk about minor league prospects, guys have seen the minors this year that I would say have been the most impressive so far. I mean, Ethan Salas with the Padres, you know, we talk about these teenagers coming up to low A, and, and he's in a little bit of a slump right now, but I just went out and saw him again last night. And it's really remarkable. You know, keep in mind, he's 16 turned 17. Uh, I was, for me, when I was a high school sophomore going into my high school junior year that summer, <laughs> and think about, you know, the players at that age, he's just having such high quality at-bats consistently against professional pitching, guys two, three, four years older than him. He was making contact. It, it's it's a lot of soft contact. He needs to get stronger, which is perfectly understandable. Again, he just turned 17. The defense behind the plate, the composure, even though the numbers aren't there, I, I will say I think he's the most impressive minor leaguer I've seen this year just in terms of what he has a chance to be. He's going to take time. Uh, I think a lot of Padres fans are asking, oh, can he make, reach the majors as a teenager? You know, How quickly can he get here? The Padres tend to move guys aggressively, and I don't want to put a ceiling on what this kid is capable of, but we are talking about a very young catcher who needs to get stronger, needs to build durability, and, and really needs reps. And you can't really rush the process of building up to be able to catch 110, 120 games a year. He's DHing a lot right now. They're taking it easy and slow with him. Their farm director was, was explicit about that in my story that I wrote where I talked to him. He said, yeah, we're going to take it slow here. So... Even though he's super talented, this might need to be a slow burn, just given his youth and the need to kind of 
build up to get to the point he can be an everyday catcher. But again, just, just the fact he's competing to the level that he is in professional baseball, it's pretty remarkable. It's, it's a pretty left-handed swing. Uh, there is some easy pop in there. He can access, you know, just even his takes are just high level. Um, just, he's, he's a really, really talented young player. And I would say that's probably the best player I've seen in the minors this year. But in terms of overall players, it, it's hard to beat Yuri and Bobby Miller. Jeff, on the flip side, are, are there any prospects that I don't want to say I want to raise a red flag? I'd say prospects, you know, we're concerned about. But we see guys have slow starts, bad first halves, and then pick it up in the second half a lot. So, you know, I don't want to bury anyone. I think about a guy like Yankeel Fernandez, who who has really risen for us. You know, he had a really rough first half of the season last year, but in the second half he went gangbusters, and, and you saw it really come out. So, again, you don't want to go crazy over anyone who's really struggled so far. But there are certain things you see that are concerning. Who's a prospect that you would say you're maybe concerned about based on what you've seen so far this year? Yeah, I think that's Zach Veen. Um, you take a look at what Veen's done here in Hartford uh, over the last year, pretty much. It's been close to a full season now that he's been here. The numbers themselves, and I have to uh, spout them off, have been terrible. Um you know, he's just not hitting for impact. He's not really getting on base or hitting for contact all that much. It's pretty clear that he's a corner outfielder long-term that puts a little bit more pressure on the bat. Um, great steal numbers in the minor leagues, but it, it's not exactly like he has, a you know, a, a ton of speed. He's an instinctual base runner, and that's fine. But um, what he's sort of morphed into over the last year, I, I think – has to concern you some i think some of it is the the swing um you know he doesn't generate a ton of force and like impact sort of throughout his motion i think if you watch it it almost looks like he tries to hit for launch angle but he never really has uh he almost like scoops in the back and i think it turns into a lot of top spin contact that whether that on balls or weekly hit fly balls or line drives uh, it just sort of leads to a lack of success on balls in play, et cetera. So he's somebody I'm kind of concerned about just because it's not like he is like some on base machine who plays up the middle and you're like, all right, well, there's all these other skills and he's just in a slump. It's like, it's been a year and he has the kind of profile where you want to see some power uh, and you'd like to see it play out a little bit more. Another name that concerns me a little bit too in the Eastern league in double a, uh, Marco Luciano, we just haven't seen him take that step forward from the player that we thought he was going to be. There's been some contact, there's been some power, but it's never really all kind of culminated in like a great uh, season where he sustained health and productivity from start to finish. And I know he's in Richmond, it's a tough environment to hit in, one of the hardest parts to hit in in the minor leagues. But at the same time, he hasn't sort of been that transcendent top 50 prospect like he's been ranked like for so long. And for me, I'm a little bit concerned now. I'm taking a little bit longer view beyond just this season, but I think it's guys who had question marks that we wanted to maybe write off the struggles that we're now seeing that continue. And it's like, all right, this is sort of red flag territory. Yeah, Luciano's a, a good one. I think what really jumped out to me when I saw them at San Jose a few years ago 
Luis Matos was far and away the better player than Marco Luciano. He's a better hitter, better athlete. Marco Luciano had big power. He could send the ball a mile, but in terms of consistency of contact, quality of contact, you know, Luis Matos was also hitting balls 109 off the bat to dead center while playing in good center field, showing instincts. To me, he was clearly the better player. And, and you know, I don't do the giant system for us, but you know, ultimately when we when it came down to rankings, I think a lot of people were kind of buying into the upside of Luciano just with the power. But from an all-around skill set perspective, Luis Matos was was just in a different category. And we saw that with their direct comparison, how they performed that year. Uh, we've seen that with how Matos has progressed for Luciano has stalled. So that was always been one that was interesting to me was was at the time in San Jose, it was like, okay, I'm pretty sure Matos is the better player here. Let's see how this progresses. And it has progressed that way. You know, Matos is in the majors, had, had a lot of success. You talk about Richmond's a tough place to hit. He did it. But Triple A, he did it. Now he's in the majors playing center field for the Giants. So I, I do think long term, that's one of those cases where trust what you see even at the lower levels. If one guy's better than another, roll with it. You know, in terms of players that, that have been concerning for me, you know, Diego Cartaya is atop the list, keeping with my Dodgers theme here. When Cartaya came out to Ranch Cucamonga in 2021, I remember we talked about it. He was wholly expletive good. I mean, just explosive, powerful swings, controlled the strike zone, really advanced defensively. I mean, this looked like a guy who had a chance to be a franchise catcher. Um, talking to evaluators about the game, everyone, everyone had sixes on him. You know, perennial all-star status, uh, 65s on him. Perennial all-star status, gold glove winner, competes for home run titles. I mean... This looks like a true superstar. Then he had a, a second back injury that year, um, missed the rest of the season. And he came back last year and things had trended downward. And, and it was concerning because the swing had gotten a little bit longer and the defense really took steps backward. He was dropping balls. He was not blocking balls he should block. The mobility was, was certainly looked like it had been lessened with the back injuries. But he still performed okay. You still saw the huge power. He's still young. You saw the physicality. Went up to, to high A and did okay. It wasn't great, but it was okay. I think this was going to be a big year in the sense of I wanted to see, okay, which way is this going to go? Was last year just kind of a, a one-off year? His first time playing more than 50 games in a season? Did he just wear down? Or are the things we saw the start of concerning trends? And at least offensively, we have seen what we saw last year was, in fact, the start of a concerning trend. His swing has continued to get alarmingly long, and it's been a real problem this year at double A. He's not hitting for average. He's not getting on base. The impact has not been there. Upper-level, more advanced pitchers are taking advantage of his swing length, and it's it's just not good. It has not been that compact, short, explosive swing we saw when he first came up. So that's the main concern there. I will say defensively, he has improved. He, he's gotten better. He did a really, really good job handling that high-octane Tulsa staff this year. He also is, is just really, really advanced in terms of game planning, You know, investing in his pitchers. His proponents within the Dodgers organization will say, hey, he was just spending so much time focusing on being a good defender. He kind of let his offense go by the wayside. But at a certain point, you've got to show the ability to make adjustments and, and, and to get back on track offensively. And the swing has been trending backwards for two years now, and it's not getting better. So I think for me, look, Cartai, he's a 21-year-old catcher in double-A. You still see enormous power. He's physical. He's He's got the work ethic. 
you don't want to give up on him. You don't want to sit here and say, oh, he's a busted prospect and it's not going to happen. That would be foolish and premature. But I thought this year was going to be really key for him to see, okay, which way is this going to go offensively? And the fact it continues to go backwards is concerning. And you want to start seeing him make adjustments to shorten that swing, to get back to that compact, explosive you know, swing he had two years ago. And I think the second half of this year is going to be really key to see, okay, does he make that adjustment? Because if he doesn't, I don't see a way you could consider him a top 25 to top 50 prospect in the game anymore just because he doesn't project to hit enough. All right, Jeff. So we've talked a lot about you know the caliber of play, top players we've seen, uh, players we're concerned about. I want to talk to you about some emerging prospects we've seen as well as some organizations that have stood out with the most talent. We're going to take a quick break here and we'll jump into that uh, right after. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. What I love about using Indeed is how it does a lot of that organizational work for me. I can sort through candidates. I can respond to them. I can schedule interviews all through Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses, including Baseball America, that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Just go to Indeed.com slash Baseball America right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to another Baseball America podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer alongside Jeff Ponce, checking in at midseason mark for uh, the minor leagues. Who are the prospects who are impressing? Who are the guys that are disappointing? We talked a little bit about that before the break. Uh, every year there's guys who, who really break out and emerge on the scene. And there's been no shortage of those guys this year. We talk about the overall depth of talent in the minors is down, but there's always guys who pop up, always guys who take a jump with their tools, their ability and really just kind of create some excitement. Jeff, 
who for you have been kind of your favorite slash emerging slash breakout prospects you've seen this year? Yeah, I think number one is Roman Anthony of the Red Sox uh, outfielder that they took last year. Um, power, you know, came out of uh, Story, you know, Stoneman Douglas program uh, in Parkland, Florida. And, you know, this guy, despite sort of mediocre to sort of almost even bad numbers, was impressing scouts left and right, people who had been uh, and seen that Salem team, typically came away really impressed by Anthony. Um, bat to ball skills, doesn't swing and miss very much, really good swing decisions. There's impact there. Just a matter of him elevating the ball a little bit. He ended up getting a promotion up to high A Greenville. And over his first six games, already has two homers, is actually elevating the ball a little bit more. And, you know, if that's sort of the final piece with a, a young player like this in terms of has the contact, you know, has all those natural ability to get the bat and the ball, but also isn't expanding the zone and making bad swing decisions and maybe getting, you know, a little bit too overzealous because of his ability to make that contact and hit the ball hard. We see a lot of guys that do that. For it just sort of being unlocking that final piece of, tweaking the swing a little bit, what you swing at, what pitches you attack and how. I think that's a really good sign. He, we've also gotten good reports on the defense. Uh, he's fairly projectable and athletic still. Uh, and the batting practice is sort of one of those things that he's always had dating back to high school where he could really put on the show there. So Anthony, for me, I think in the position side is sort of the breakout prospect, the one that's been the most interesting outside of some of these younger Latin players that were assigned. But I think somebody that we came into the year – Maybe think it could be a pretty good prospect, but pushing his way into the top 100 and sort of solidifying a place there. I think Anthony is one. Uh, on the other side, Chase Hampton of uh, the Yankees, who was a draft pick last year. I think I'm going with Northeast teams and the AL East sort of draftees. But I think we just take a step back and subjectively look at who have been some of the top pitching breakouts. He certainly has been one. Uh, made his double-A debut last weekend. Uh, was really excellent. I think through it five or six innings, you know, had a fair amount of strikeouts. We saw the swing and miss. It's big stuff. Mid nineties fastball. That's been up to 97, 98 miles an hour, heavy ride and run. So you get sort of that bore uh, shape, excellent slider. That's hard with a fair amount of movement and he'll show a curveball, show a changeup. He'll show a cutter as well. So it's a deep arsenal. He's physical. He's got good stuff. He's throwing a lot of strikes. He's attacking. He knows how to sequence that arsenal and really play into his bread and butter, which is that fastball and slider. He's a really interesting power arm. And one of these guys that we've had so many Yankees pitching prospects that have been yanked, yanked ranked highly over the last 10 years. This looks like a guy that maybe kind of checks all the boxes and could be a legitimate starter. Maybe the first one that we've seen really solidify himself outside of like a Jordan Montgomery they ended up trading away, but like Louis Severino. So I'm really excited about Chase Hampton. Scouts that I've spoken with have been really excited about Chase Hampton. And dating back to when I was in Brooklyn back at the beginning of May, I was hearing from scouts that had org coverage in the Yankees. Yeah, this is actually their best pitching prospect and arguably the best prospect in the system, depending upon how you view Jason Dominguez and, and uh, Peraza. Yeah, Hampton's really impressive. Obviously, I haven't seen him in person, but just watching video, he's it's a really good young pitching prospect. We got a question in the chat last week: Is he top 100? And, and at this point, he's he's not in that conversation yet. And looking through a lot of evaluators, still have kind of number four starter projections on him. But 
you know, there's a couple who who have mentioned they could see him climbing higher than that. And just watching on video, you certainly see all the the components for a guy to be a, a really good starter who, who eventually does make his way up to the top 100. You know, for me, the, the pitching has been stronger than the hitting in terms of the prospects I've seen this year. And with that, the two guys who have been kind of the breakouts for me are, are Robbie Snelling in the Padres organization and Peyton Martin in the Dodgers organization, two teenage pitching prospects. Snelling's interesting. It's not like he came out of nowhere. He was a perfect game All-American. He was one of the best high school pitchers in last year's draft, went in the top 40 picks. So, so not a guy that came out of nowhere. But going into last year, he was considered a football player who was just big and strong and, and still kind of working on some things baseball-wise. But we saw the delivery get better. He kind of got more baseball functionality in the way he pitched as opposed to just big football bulked up strength type, if that makes sense, and really took off and had one of the best seasons in the country last year of any high school pitcher. The Padres getting him where they did, a lot of teams thought that that he could have gone 10 picks higher easily and thought the Padres got a potential steal there. Seeing him this year in the Cal League, um, he's been far and away the best prospect in the league, and Salas just came up. But you talk about other guys for maybe bigger names. Snelling is the slam dunk best prospect in this league. It has been. Fastball slider on both sides of the plate. The changeup is coming rapidly. Athletic, composed, super poised, attacks. When he misses, he doesn't miss by much. I mean, this is what a, a mid to front of the rotation left-hander looks like at this age. And he has a chance to be really, really, really good. Again, Good prospect. People know him. People liked him. He's been even better than, than even his biggest champions expected. He's pretty special young talent. Again, young pitcher has to stay healthy, but there's a lot to like there. And then Peyton Martin, again, shocker. The Dodgers have another late-round draft find. It's an 18th-round pick, played a lot of shortstop, but the Dodgers liked his arm action, his athleticism, took him as a pitcher, signed him for $125,000. And let me put it to you this way. He's the guy out here in the Cal League that I was getting the most unsolicited texts about this year in terms of scouts saying, hey, this guy. And then I finally went out and saw him for myself uh, last night. I finally had the opportunity where the schedule lines up. This is one of those guys you watch one inning and you go, yeah, I'm in. You, you don't have to think too hard about this one. Really, really, really impressive athlete on the mound. It's just a clean, easy, beautiful delivery and arm action. Fastball 94-96, a little effort, slider and changeup both for strikes. Can elevate, can pitch east-west. Biggest thing with him is the Dodgers tend to be really, really, really conservative with their pitchers and the innings workloads they put on them. So he hasn't had the opportunity to show he can really hold his stuff deep into games. But I mean... Last night, just how easy he made it look through three innings. Was it 38 pitches? Uh, there was no doubt that he probably could have gone three more innings and, and at least held his stuff as you know fairly well. So, yeah, again, young high school right-hander. There's all sorts of ways this can go. He's 19 years old. He just turned 19 in May. So, again, has to stay healthy. A, a lot of things have to continue to get better, but... It's all there. This has a chance to be a really, really, really good pitcher down the road. So for me, Snelling and Martin have been have been the two guys that have really, really jumped out. And I think are maybe two guys that, you know, we look up five, six years from now. If you told me these were the two best prospects in the California League over guys who, who were maybe were more famous, I would not be shocked by it. All right, Jeff. So. We've talked about individual players to this point, but 
the other thing that's kind of fun to see sometimes is just what systems are flush with talent. Because I think coming into the year, we have an idea of, okay, these are the farm systems that consider top five in the organization talent rankings. But sometimes you go in and see teams and you realize that while they have a lot of famous names, they're not actually that good. And the farm system is actually kind of overrated. There's other times where you go in and it's a team with a farm system that, you know, maybe you don't have a ton of familiarity with, or is it ranked super highly for whatever reason, but you walk out of there and you realize there's, there's a lot of talent in here. What organization to you so far has stood out as having the most talent that, that you've seen on the field? Yeah. You know, I think it's one of these questions where like, you know, it, it, it's the Orioles, uh, the Orioles affiliates I've seen, I've seen three out of four. Um, and I've pretty much seen the entire system for all the East coast, uh, Florida spring training teams. And same with the Yankees or Red Sox. I've seen of those teams. And, you know, I think the Orioles are just the team that sort of stands out to me. I know you're going to probably mention a West coast team out there. I don't see as many of their affiliates other than following along, liking a lot of the prospects putting on TV. Uh, but in terms of out here, out East, it's the Orioles. I think it's the, a top to bottom really good system right now. Um, there's a ton of depth. I mean, they have eight or nine top 100 prospects right now. I think there's a case that if how you feel about Kate Povich or Connor Norby, maybe they could have 10 or 11. They're going to get a mid round mid first round draft pick this year. <laughs> it wouldn't shock me if they pull somebody else in that could be a top 100 prospect the way they identified in the first few rounds over the last couple of years under Elias. Um, so for me, I think it's I think it's the Orioles. Like you just look top to bottom. They've actually had a lot of their depth players start to sort of emerge. Some pitching prospects, guys like Zach Showalter down in the complex has been really interesting. We've seen an international player for the Orioles emerge as a top 100 prospect in Samuel uh, Baseo, which is a first in a very long time for the Orioles, quite frankly. Um, but but a lot of the peripheral guys, like in the 20 to 30 range, there was a bigger conversation of like. 40 to 45, 50 type of players that could have fit within that top 10. I mean, that back 10 on the 30, you know, guys who are interesting pitching prospects, guys who are relief prospects, you know, hitters that are, you know, showing some good characteristics and traits and maybe improving uh, some good defensive players like a Silas Arduin or someone like that. They drafted out of Texas last year. So there's like a lot of different types of players in that system. Every team is pretty good at this point and sort of laden with prospects and guys that have traits and characteristics that are kind of interesting. So um, the Orioles for me, uh, though I know there's other organizations that you might mention that that have just as much talent, if not more. Yeah, I stick with the Dodgers theme here. Um, yeah, for me, it, it's been the Dodgers. It's it's pretty ridiculous. Really, it's, it's the amount of pitching prospects they have more than anything else. I wrote the article last week about how Tulsa was tied with the Marlins for the hardest throwing team in professional baseball at any level, but it wasn't just velo. It was movement. It was control. But the thing with that too is of the top 10 hardest throwing teams in professional baseball, three of them are in the Dodgers organization. It's their big league team, Tulsa and Reg Cucamonga at low A. I mean, you just go down the list at every affiliate throughout this year, you've had really just blow them away kind of pitching prospects. You know, earlier this year, you had Bobby Miller and Gavin Stone at AAA. Stone's had trouble, but he'll be fine. That AA Tulsa rotation was was probably the best Miley rotation we've seen in years, and most evaluators will tell you it's the best they've ever seen. 
when it was Emmett Sheehan, Nick Frasso, Landon Knack, Kyle Hurt, Nick Nostrini, and River Ryan all there together. Uh, Sheehan's obviously been bumped to the majors, um, Knack up to AAA, but even seeing you know how Nostrini and Hurt guys with, with big stuff but were previously wild are now throwing strikes, it's remarkable. You, know, you go down to high A, you have Ronan Kopp and Justin Robleski, two really, really good left-handed pitching prospects. And then high A, I talk about, you know, or low A, excuse me, French Cucamonga. You, know, you talk about guys like Peyton Martin, who we saw last night. Maddox Bruns was there early. He took a step forward, got promoted to high A. Jeremy Rosario got promoted to high A. I mean, it's just, it's a never-ending run of just really, really, really good arms at every single level. It's velocity. A lot of these guys, their control is continually improving. We talked about that earlier, the Dodgers' ability to, to help these guys find some control. Again, Maddox Bruns has really taken a big step from last year in that regard. You know, Roden Kopp kind of fits in this too. His control is still kind of wonky, but the idea, you know, big stuff, control is, is improving to a point where he can get outs. And then the catching depth. I mean, the Dodgers, we talked about Cartaya's struggles, but they go six deep in legit catching prospects. Most organizations don't have more than two or three. We talk about Cartaya and Dalton Rushing, who are the, the top two guys who are both top 100 prospects. But beyond them, Taylor Lorenzo has been you know, one of the biggest risers. Uh, Jesus Galiz is a really, really good defensive catcher. Carson Taylor can hit a little bit. I mean, they just have... So much catching. The Einer Fernandez, he could really hit. Whether he can catch is a question, but he could really hit. We've even seen guys who at times we've had questions about take steps forward. Jose Ramos was left unprotected in the Rule 5 draft last year. Went unpicked. He's had a huge year at AA Tulsa. The Dodgers aren't going to get away with leaving him unprotected again. Yorbit Vivas was a guy in low A that, frankly, a lot of people had questions about. Dodgers, officials included. Is this going to translate? Yeah, it's translated. He's hitting at double A. Andy Pajes was doing really well, had taken a lot of strides before he had a season-ending shoulder injury. So you're just seeing so many really good players take steps forward, and it's every single level. I mean, every single affiliate for the Dodgers has seven, eight legit prospects. I, I can't think of many other organizations who can say that. Again, just being out here in the Cali, Rich Cucamonga, which won the first half title, you mentioned first half championships, I mean, they're far and away the most talented team out here, like with room to spare in terms of having the sheer number of actual prospects. I mean, there's probably up to a dozen guys who have a shot on that team that have been there over the course of the year, which is remarkable for a low A team. I think every other team in the league, you're hard pressed to find another team that has maybe more than five if you're being generous. So even with Cartaya struggling at the top of their system, Miguel Vargas graduating, Bobby Miller's about to graduate, Stone struggling in his big league debut, even with all that, the Dodgers, just from a sheer depth of talent perspective, blow away every other team I've seen. So Jeff, the Orioles and Dodgers are, are kind of established, right? These were top farm systems coming into the year. We knew they were good. They've been even better seeing them in person. We've talked about some guys taking steps forward. What's a farm system for you that's maybe on the rise that that maybe you know you thought was okay or interesting before the year, but but you think is getting better and, and has been even better than expected? Yeah, I think this has been an up and coming farm system that kind of plateaued a little bit last year, but that's actually the Red Sox. And the reason I say that I cover them in season and do the updates and the lists as well as six other teams. Four of those are my year-round teams that I cover for the handbook. The Red Sox are not one of those. Um, but the thing that I've seen is the depth has gotten a lot better. 
And over the last couple of weeks, and we'll even see some updates from the list that was released a little, just about two weeks ago now, because the ALE's teams went um, prior to last week where the other five you know, divisions or whatever went out. Um, there are some players that had only played three or four games when this list was updated that have now had a couple of weeks and we've had scouts see them and we've started to get some feedback and data and analysis on those guys. And I, I can tell you that players like Marvin Alcantara uh, in the FCL, a guy that we were pretty high on in Yolan Cespedes, who's in the DSL, was our top signing last year. He's a guy that's probably going to move up the list um, pretty well uh, as well. That's not going to be a shock at all. Brooks Brandon is a guy that's going to move back on the list and up a little bit. He had a real bad instructs, and then all of a sudden the reports in FCLs, it's like it's night and day, like a completely different guy when they turn the lights on. So that's a good update to hear. But even at the top of the system, you have uh, Mayer, who's now up in double A. Yeah, the numbers haven't been great, but he's 20 years old in double A. And, you know, I, I think that the expectations, he's meeting them. And we'll see, you know, what sort of development we get from him in the second half. Blaze, unfortunately, was injured. You know, you can do it, do with that what you will. But we've seen Nick York reemerge. We've seen Sidney Raffaella after a tough, tough couple of weeks in sort of the cold Northeast and playing in Maine in the Eastern League in April and early May. We've seen Raffaella take a step forward. He's been a standout defender, not only in center field, but when he's filled in at shortstop as well. He's made unbelievable plays that you might be able to project him as a potential above average to plus shortstop which is remarkable considering the quality of, of, of the defense there. Yeah, the approach is bad, but there is bat-to-ball skills there. Um, there's a ton of speed. He's a dangerous base stealer. There's power. He's kind of interesting. Drohan has emerged as at least like a back-end starter type of, of arm profile. We talked about Roman Anthony already. We haven't seen a ton from Mike Ramiro, their first-round pick last year. Um, jury's out on you know where he sort of slots in, but – you know, once again, like you're starting to talk about first round picks who are in the back end of their top 10. Louis Perales, after Josh saw him and cursed him for a few weeks, we talked about that in the Hot Sheet podcast yesterday. He's been awesome. Like, look at the numbers on Louis Perales over the last like eight to 10 starts. It's been really, really good. And he's missing bats. The command has been better. Um, he's a guy with a big fastball, a, a changeup, and a slider that he will throw. Um, and he's starting to develop into more of a pitcher. And, you know, they've had a ton of guys that have sort of emerged, like David David uh, Hamilton who just got called up, Emmanuel Valdez, that are like viable depth pieces uh, that maybe could see some, some run in the major leagues. And we haven't gotten into guys like Edison Paulino, Walter, Murphy, some of these guys that could provide some potential major league depth as well. And then there's excitement with, you know, guys like Cruz, um, you know, and and some other arms in the system that, quite frankly, are, are kind of interesting. So when you, you factor in the draft is coming, you're going to have a decent pick. You then factor in all the guys that have started to emerge. We didn't even mention Blaze Jordan, who's been tearing the cover off the ball. It's a very deep system from 1 to 30. Like, are there a ton of transcendent guys? Probably only one, maybe two. Um, but there's a whole bunch of major leaguers here, and I think you know their their prowess in the international market is starting to show again, and that's huge, uh, just in terms of backfilling some of the depth in the system. So that's one that's really popping for me and kind of growing uh, on me in terms of where I think they're going to rank out and and grade out when we do the top thirty updates. 
Yeah, definitely. I think for me, the system that's really impressed, and I'm going to get off uh, our, our coastal elitism here that we've uh, been demonstrating throughout this pro- podcast, uh, the Rangers farm system. They came into the year ranked number 12, so so solid. Certainly top half farm system had talent, but not necessarily a, a, an elite kind of system. And the more I look at them, the more we get reports back, the more we watch what's happening. I, I do think this is a top 10 farm system in baseball, and, and you know, we need to stack it up. But I think when you look at the total depth of talent, there's a real argument it could be a top five farm system in baseball. I'm big on let's find systems that have guys top to bottom. It's not just one affiliate. It's not just concentrated on one place. It's it's position players, pitchers, triple A, double A, high A, low A, all the way on down. And from that depth of talent perspective, the Rangers have really, really stood out this year. Again, I, I just look at, you have the big names, right? Like Jack Leiter, has taken a step forward. He hasn't been great, but he's taken a step forward. You know, Evan Carter has taken a step forward and been really good. Justin Foscu, who I, I do believe will hit, he's done some really good things offensively at AAA this year. And then you have a lot of other guys who, again, I just I just see so many guys that are doing things where you say, yeah, I, I could see a major league role here and, and potentially – I don't know if you say impact for all of them, but but certainly a guy who contributes in a positive fashion. You know, Luis Angel Acuna is getting better. Mm-hmm. Thomas Segesi was a really good draft pick by them. He's a good player. There's something there with him. Owen White has had some ups and downs, but you still see the talent, the ability. He just got his first call up. All the way down, I mean, Kumar Rocker looked really good before he went down. Unfortunately, had Tommy John surgery, but look at some guys like Josh Steven, Emiliano Teodo, he could really bring it. All the way down, there's a guy named Winston Santos who's been really, really impressive at the lower levels. Uh, Mitch Bratt, who, poor kid, had to go out and face Team USA for Canada in the uh, World Baseball <laughs> Classic. Wasn't ready for it. I felt bad for him. But uh, he's he's a perfectly fine pitching prospect as well. And it's a big international side. So Anthony Gutierrez has looked really, really good. Uh, Brock Porter, who they went over slot for the draft last year, he's looked really, really good. Um, Sebastian Walcott down below in, uh, in the complex leagues. I mean, Glider Figueroa, again, is is someone who popped last year and showing some good things. Uh, Aiden Curry, who is a, a not a big bonus guy out of the draft. I mean, they just – there's so many guys here, position players, pitchers, that there's something where, where you see, hey, they have a mm-hmm. chance to be something. And I think that's all you can really ask for is getting as much talent as possible into a farm system and then you see guys moving in positive directions, which is really, really big. We see a lot of teams that have guys who were big draft bonus guys or big international signees and maybe showed you something at one point, but they just stall or they can't stay healthy. And that's with the Rangers in the past, especially. They had a really difficult time keeping their pitching prospects healthy. I, this just seems like a system on the rise where guys are getting better. There's a depth of talent top to bottom, position players, pitchers, international draft high draft guys, low draft guys. I mean, it just, it seems like the Rangers are an organization that's really clicking on all cylinders. And that's a huge testament to the new management regime there. Chris Young and his staff ownership, give them credit for for putting in the resources to make this happen. Uh, The Rangers feel like an organization on the rise, not just a farm system on the rise, not just a big league team having a good year, but but an organization that is building a well in depth of talent that should allow it to compete in the AL West for, for years to come. All right, Jeff. So we've hit on top players. We've hit on top farm systems. We've hit on the quality of play in the minor leagues. Is there anything else that as we sit here midway through the minor league season, 
that has jumped out to you that that are kind of some of the main storylines you're going to be watching here through the second half? Yeah, um, you know, I think that like uh, for me, it's a, a lot of these lower level younger players um, who were assigned to um, full season affiliates really aggressively, how those guys develop. And how quickly some players over the first couple of weeks of the complex league season then get promoted into the lower levels. I just want to see how that all shakes out. The draft, of course, um, that's always the stuff that I like to look at in the second half of the season. It's almost like June 1st hits with the complex leagues and the draft a month and a half later. This huge influx of sort of new talent in the second half and new players to analyze and, and rank and you know, get get a hold of and an understanding of how they fit into their respective systems heading into the off season because seasons end and immediately we get right into the top tens and top thirty in handbook season. Yeah, I think seeing how the teenagers in full season ball perform in the second half in particular is going to be really interesting. I talked about a few of them. I've seen a lot of them out here in the Cal League. Nelson Rada again. 17 skipped over complex leagues went straight to low on opening day as the youngest player in full season professional baseball you know he's an example of a guy who you know to his credit he's 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 held his own angels prospect by the way for those who don't know who we're talking about he's kept his head above water which is really impressive when you're talking about again a kid who's essentially a high school junior facing guys in this league who, who have college experience uh, really good instincts can get the bat to the ball but Again, because he's 17, just lacked strength. I sat him for a whole week and didn't see him hit a ball almost out of the infield. It was a lot of bunch singles, infield singles, ground balls, you know, five hoppers that found a hole, broken bat flares just over the second baseman's head. But over the last two weeks or so, he's starting to get into balls. I saw him hit a long fly ball to left center at Rancho Cucamonga the other night that, you know, it was a fly out. But the fact that he got into a ball, hit it that far to the opposite way, he wasn't doing that earlier in the year. It's like, okay. And then last night, actually, he hit a, a no-doubt home run against Visalia. Scott texted me the video of it right away when it happened. So you're starting to see the progress, the, the, the improvements. Talk about guys like Josue DePaula and Ethan Salas, two very, very touted international signees now in full season ball. Talked about Salas a little bit earlier. Again, all the skills are there, just – Needs to get stronger. You know, Josue Paula, I've seen a good bit of. I saw him again last night. He's starting to settle it, the plate a little bit. Had a hard line drive. It was right center fielder last night, but he's put good swings on the ball. Defense is rough and needs to get better. But again, that's what player development's for. You know, a lot of these kids are playing under the lights for the first time, and he's one of them. So I think just watching the teenagers and how they progress over the second half of the year, I think especially for these guys, that's going to, be, going to be more important than just looking at their overall season stat lines, seeing what they do the second half as they've grown and, and gotten stronger, got more comfortable. Uh, I'd be watching that closely. Totally agree. All right. Well, I think that will do it for a mid-season minor league update podcast. Uh, go ahead and follow all of our minor league uh, update content online at Baseball America. We have updated top 30s. Uh, we have more than 100 players who were risers so far this year. Uh, we're going to have a list of falling prospects and sort of what's been behind that coming out tomorrow. We'll have injury updates on Friday. So a ton of content related to uh, the midseason checkpoint of the minor league season and prospects who are moving up and down. Jeff, thank you so much for joining me today. It was a pleasure talking ball with you as always.
Same here, man. Thanks for tuning in, guys. All right, everyone. That'll do it for another Baseball America podcast. Go ahead and give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever platform you're listening on. We'd love to hear from you. For Jeff Potts, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thanks for listening. Have a good one. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.